Good morning, church. It is good to be here. It's been a while since I've been here. I see some new faces, uh, some old faces, some dear friends, and uh, it's just a, it's an honor to be able to be here with you this morning to worship. Today is going to require a little bit of audience participation. So uh, I hope you're ready to speak up. In fact, in, in a little bit, I want to give you, I, I need someone who's got a real strong voice who would be willing to stand up and read for me uh, a passage. So anyone willing to do that? Just raise your hand. One, one break. Okay. She beat you to it. Okay. The passage I'm going to want you to read is Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 and 2. So if you can have that ready when I, when I call on that. <clears throat> oh, they're going to bring you a microphone. Look at that. So there's a song that I was... Uh, yeah, right there. There's a song I was listening to the other day, and it had a, a line in it that caught my, caught my ear. And the line was, The Sound of Good News. And I, and I thought about that. Thought, well, what, what does the sound of good news sound like? Have you ever wondered that? What is the sound of good news? And, I, and, and as I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, that can mean different things to different people. What would the sound of good news sound like to you? Uh, how about if, I, if you were to hear that they're going to do away with daylight savings time, would that sound like good news to you? Oh, that's a pretty strong reaction there. Wow. All right. All right. How about uh, what? What if? What if? Uh, ga- what if we were to hear that uh, gas was to come down to a dollar a gallon and never go higher than that? <laughs> well, some good news is just too good to believe, isn't it? All right. Well, that's all right. How about? What if we were to hear egg prices were going to come down? Not a lot of egg eaters here. That's all right. How about, uh, now this, this is one of my favorites, but I, I, I have not got a good response to it. What, what if we were to hear that uh, the humidity here in Texas will never rise above 10% again? They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> How about this one? Jesus is coming again. Amen. How about Jesus is coming soon? Amen. Oh, that, that, gets some, that gets some response. That sounds like good news. How about, uh, how about if you hear someone talking about the beast and who that is? Is that good news? Maybe. Is it possible that there is universal good news? That is just good news to everybody? Is that possible? What about individual good news? So what might be good news to someone is not necessarily good news to someone else. How about universal individual good news? Kind of the best of all worlds. Can good news be bad news? So probably one of the 
biggest responses I got from you was, was to Jesus' coming again or Jesus coming soon. Can you imagine that not being good news? But perhaps it is. You know, the Bible says that uh, in that day, there'll be those who run to the hills and cry for those stones to fall on them, the rocks to fall on them. Do you think it's good news that Jesus is coming? No. To, uh, to those who, who, I mean, probably the majority of people here in America believe in God. I think there's been surveys to show that. But depending on your belief in God, if, if all your understanding, your, your cursory understanding of God is that he is a God that is just waiting to catch you messing up so he can punish you, do you think the second coming is good news? No, it's not. Because what are you going to get? You're going to get punished. What about to... It's one thing, if you've lived most of your life, you've experienced the joys and the heartaches of life, and you're just ready to go home. Jesus coming is good news. But what about to the younger person who just wants to live, wants to have a chance to, to get married, have kids, go to school, have a career, and all they're looking forward to this, this bold, bright adventure of life. And, and now I can't have that? Is that? Does the second coming sound like good news to them? Interesting. Let's go ahead and read Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. Amen. Now, didn't pretty much all of that sound like good news to you? Healing, comfort, release. Man. And, 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 and how is it? And this happened. This literally happened almost 2,000 years ago today. All right? This happened in history. Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he read that passage. And you would think that that would be the sound of good news. And yet, how did the synagogue, how did the congregation respond to him? They were upset. In fact, it was so not good news that he was saying this, that they were ready to kill him. That's a pretty strong reaction to what you would think would be good news. What's the deal? Was not the sound of good news to them. I think good news, I I think there is the possibility of universal good news. But I think good news is determined more by your circumstance, by your outlook. By your hopes. Good news to you can be bad news to somebody else. If the general idea that people have of God is that of a vengeful God, they can't wait to judge and torture sinners, and is the second coming going to be good news? 
And yet we as Christians often will be so happy in proclaiming the second coming and soon it's going to happen. Is it wrong to do that? No, it's not wrong to do that. Is it wrong to be happy about that? Absolutely not. But I think sometimes we need to exercise some wisdom in how we speak to people about good news. So Jesus read that passage. And here's the practical example of what that meant. Jesus read that passage, and then he turned around and he spoke of a poor person. You remember that story in the scripture of that dear little lady who gave her last mite? And what did he say about her? She gave all. It was good. Whereas the person who stood on the corner when the fine clothes and soft cock and all the things that he gave was meaningless. The sound of good news to that little old lady was that her offering was worth everything and is accepted by God. She was praised. What about the brokenhearted? He came to relieve the brokenhearted. I'm reminded of the story of the woman who was crying in front of a bunch of men. And uh, let's say she was relationally challenged as they brought her before them. What was the sound of good news like for her? It was, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn thee. Good news, wasn't it? But the other guys there listening, they didn't exactly like it. I mean, they had left already. What about the captives that Jesus came to set free? Do you remember the story of the paralytic that was held captive by his, his inability to move? His inability to use his legs? And what was the sound of good news to him? It was the sound of the voice of Jesus saying, get up. And walk. And by the way, take your bed with you. That's good news. But there are people who didn't think it was. Isn't that interesting? What about those who were in darkness? Jesus said he came to set them free from the darkness. And he gave us the very example that man who was born blind, held in darkness his whole life. What was the sound of good news for him? It was a sound of Jesus. Spitting. Has that ever sounded like good news to you to hear someone working up that uh, mouthful of spit? Jesus spit. And you know, it couldn't have been just a little bit because he had to make some mud. Right? That could be a drop. And he smears it on the guy's eyes. and, And behold, he sees. The sound of good news for that blind man was Jesus spitting. I remember when I was in about 6th or 7th grade, I was uh, walking home from school. And back in those days, you know, we had it rough. It was uphills both ways. Of course, this was in Phoenix, not any place cold, so it was, it was 115 all the time. And, and I had to walk at least, I don't know, miles and miles to, to home and back from school. 
And I was walking home. We just got out of school. I just crossed the street. And I heard the sound of a, of a kid on a bike coming up behind me. And I turned just because I didn't want to get hit. So I turned and I looked. And just as he came by, he hocked up a big old loogie right on the side of my face. I could never conceive the sound of someone spitting being good news. <laughs> you like that, don't you? <laughs> but it was for this man who was blind all of his life. The sound of good news. I think sometimes as Christians, we, we walk with God, we walk in the faith, we come, we come to salvation. And, and, and sometimes, it's, it's, especially if we've been saved for a while, it's easy to forget what it was like. And, and sometimes we don't give enough thought to where people are at in their walk, what they're going through, how things hear, how things sound to them. I know as a pastor, you stand in front of a congregation and generally everyone comes to church and they're pleasant and there's smiles and there's praise and people sing. And yet they're right in front of you. You don't know how many people are in heartache. Maybe some just just considering taking their life. Some considering divorce. Some considering quitting their jobs because they can't take the pressure at work. Who knows what? But people are hurting. And, 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 and we want to give good news, but we don't give enough thought sometimes to what that good news would be to somebody. You know, somebody starving on the street, just wanting a drink of water, maybe a, a shower, who has not had one in days and days and days, a, a bite of food, do you think they care about whether Jesus is coming soon or not? Now, there might be some who do, but I guarantee you they'd rather have a bite of food. Now, if someone were to come to you and said, there is someone who loves you so much and knows you, who knows all of your faults, knows all of of, of your of your weaknesses, knows everything about you that is ugly, as well as all the good things about you. And this person loves you anyway and wants you to know them, wants to be friends with you. Just would like to have that intimate relationship with you and wants you to know him in the same way. Would you like to meet that person? If someone came up to you and said that there is somebody in this world who will love you unconditionally, despite what you do or say, would you like to meet that person? I think most of us would. That'd be good news, wouldn't it? I mean, how is it that we can spend 40 years in marriage to a woman or a man and not know things? But it's possible. Because women just don't talk. Just kidding. They talk a lot. No, I can't say that either. 
See, guys just can't win, right? But man, if you can walk 40 years together and find that sweet spot where you're communicating and you know each other, there's nothing better, right? The same way with God. How often do we present God in all these different ways that might be true, but are not good news to people who just want to know that there's somebody who loves them, that there's somebody who is willing to die for them, that there's somebody who will go to bat for them. You know, I'm reminded of, of, of news. You don't hear it so much anymore. I mean, there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of hatred going on today. But I remember a number of years ago, there was a congregation that would just go out and protest different events because they thought they were immoral events. And they thought they were doing God's will by speaking up against the immorality. I don't know that they won any converts to God. Jesus loved being with sinners. Can you say amen? He loved being with sinners. In fact, he associated himself so closely with sinners that they called him a sinner. They called him a drunkard. He didn't care. He cared much more about the relationship he was building with the people that he was reaching out and saving. Isn't that interesting? Yet how many of us love associating with sinners that much? I grew up going to bars because my dad was an alcoholic and he went to bars. And when I was with him, I went where he went because I was a little kid. I learned to play pool. I learned to eat peanuts out of the little dish on the bar. Got the little bags of chips. Got seven up and I sat there. And that's how I grew up. Yet today, if I were to walk into a bar and one of you saw me, what would you think? What if I were going to meet my dad? You see, we look on the outside and we judge. And then we determine what, what we think would be good news to that person. Well, you need to know about God. You, you know, It's interesting how we are. Most people in this world just want and need to know that there's a God that loves them. Can you be that person that shows that kind of love? It's hard sometimes because we tend to be selfish and unloving. If the, if the general idea that people have of God is a mischaracterization of God, I think that we would do well to spend some time thinking about that and maybe finding out what they think of God before we try to share God with them. Because for all we know, we're sharing the wrong side of God. Does that make sense? Why does it seem that what sounds like good news to those who are being saved, and this is all through Scripture, why does it seem like that, like what sounds like good news to those being saved irritates and upsets those who think they are saved? Isn't that what happened over and over throughout Jesus' ministry? 
He would do something good. He would share salvation. He would bring healing, release from from darkness, from captivity. And those who thought they had God on their side, those who thought they were saved, those who thought they were doing right, boy, it upset them. Why does it seem that what sounds like good news to those being saved irritates and upsets those who think they are saved? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever found yourself spending a thoughtful hour each day meditating on the closing scenes of this earth? You know, the corrupt politicians, the media, all the things that are going wrong, the wayward generations of young people, the beast and all the things that he's doing, and it fills your heart with Fear and anxiousness and, and hurtfulness and hatred. I don't know. I, I, I've done that, unfortunately. Boy, I can get into a heated discussion of politics just like that. It's easy to look at all the junk, isn't it? And let that carry you away. Or, seems like I, I heard this someplace. Seems like I may have read this someplace. Maybe we would do well to spend a thoughtful hour each day on the life of Christ, particularly on the closing scenes. I think someone said that someplace. And as we do that, we let the power of his love move our hearts to repentance and bring light to our soul. So that we can love the brokenhearted, the defiled, the halt and the lame, and those who stand afar off, just as Jesus did. And this we're reminded and moved by his mercy and grace towards us. We will struggle to exhibit that same mercy and grace towards our fellow believers, let alone towards the world out there. It will make the elite around us upset. But he calls us to do just that. To know that our tongue, our tongue is like a sword. It can bring death or it can bring life. It can bring harm or it can bring the sound of good news. So our responsibility as as saved Christians is to be aware of the sound we are making. What sound are we giving off to those around us? Now, does that mean we're almost supposed to be happy and smiling and full of sunshine? Well, I don't know about you, but if I'm depressed and discouraged and something like that comes up to me and I just want to slap them. Again, what does the sound of good news sound like to someone who's discouraged and depressed? The fact is, sometimes in life, hard things happen, right? Sometimes in life, tragedy happens. And do you think God just just thinks you should just sit there and smile about it? It hurts. Jesus was not smiling on the cross, 
right? When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what does it say he was doing? He wasn't throwing a party. He wasn't cheering. He was bowed down and crushed by the weight of our sins. And what was about to happen, and he was so anxious about it, so much so that he sweat great drops of blood. He cried out to God, I don't want to do this, Father. If there's any way around it, but I'll do it anyway. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes heartache comes. Sometimes you live a life of hardship. And you wonder, why is this all there is to it? And you just have to go through it. You have to push through it. Because there's a reward on the other side. If you have your Bible and like to, to open it up to Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, starting with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, when Jesus died on the cross, darkness covered him. He could not feel the presence of his Father. The weight of our sins was crushing the light out of him. And Jesus had no hope. It's not that there wasn't hope. It's not that he wouldn't rise again. But in that moment, crushed by the weight of our sins, he could not see beyond the tomb. As he contemplated in the garden, crushed in the darkness by the weight of our sins, he could not see beyond the tomb. And so for all practical purposes, when Jesus made the commitment to his father to go through with the plan, it was in with, with, with the knowledge and thinking that there was no other side for him. It was a complete sacrifice for those who would never enter heaven. He died the second death. That was the decision he made. When it says, for the joy set before him, I believe it's because there in Gethsemane, Jesus had heaven opened up to him as an angel came down and ministered to him. And he saw millions of people saved in heaven because of what he was about to do. Do you not know that you are the joy of the Lord? You are the joy of the Lord. You are his crown. You're the crowning act of his creation. Think about it. Who is the most valuable person in all the universe? It's Jesus, right? It's, that's why he had to die for us, because there's no one else worth enough. Now, if it's true, and I believe it is, that Jesus would have died if there was just one sinner, he would have died for that person. Right? You believe that? What does that mean? If Jesus, who is invaluable, 
was willing to die for someone who is of questionable value, then wouldn't that mean that in God's eyes, you are worth Jesus? Your value is equal to that of Jesus's? Can you grasp the infinite love that he has, not just for humanity, but for you. For you. Can you see those drops of blood that he spilt in Gethsemane were for you? The agony of the cross with the crown pressed down on his, of thorns pressed down on his head. His arms stretched out. It was for you. He loves you this much. And if God thought, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you the best of what I have. I'm giving you my son. Do you think that there's anything that he won't do for you? Life can be hard. It wasn't a bed of roses for Jesus. I know there were times when he smiled. There were times when he probably joked around with the disciples. There were were times of, of joy, but there were times of heartache. And we have to go through them sometimes. But there's a reward. We need to keep the joy set before us. The joy of the relationships that we have of our kids, our family, our, our husbands, our wives, our, our brothers and sisters, the people that we're involved with, the people that we have a chance to nudge a little closer to God every day. God's joy needs to become our joy. We need to be willing to give just as Jesus gave. Notice what it says in, in, in Hebrews 12, down in uh, verse 12. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. See, here it is. I've read in another version where it says, says this. Quit dragging your knuckles on the ground. Stand up straight. Sometimes we think our life is so hard and we, we walk around, we drag her, and we just, oh, you know, I, had to, I have to go through this and there's this and oh my and oh me and what are we going to know? You know, God have mercy on me. But what does it say? Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. You see, others healing is somehow connected to us. Maybe the sound of good news to someone else is seeing you go through adversity with faith, giving praise to God despite the challenging circumstances. See, the sound of good news can take on a lot of different tones, can it? Maybe the sound of good news is, is, is you're being able to pull up alongside of someone because of what you've been through. Because what God allowed into your life, not to harm you, but for your good. So that you could have a ministry that you could pull up along someone and say, hey, I was abused as a little girl. Hey, I was pushed into drugs. 
I was whatever. I know what it's like. And there's hope. And there's deliverance. Let me show you the way. The sound of good news can have a lot of different tones. Your life, whatever joys and heartaches you may experience, your life has been given to you, but it has been a ransomed life that is given to you. God didn't just save you, then give you back the same old junk that you had. He saved you and gave you a purpose for the junk. Does that make sense? And when we live in that purpose, then God can use our heartache, our sorrow, our struggles to help others, to show them the light of the way, to show them where there is true hope, where there is true courage, where there is true meaning even in suffering. You know, there's still a lot of great in this world. There's still a lot of good and beauty in this world, isn't there? There is. I don't care what's going on. You cannot stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and not have your breath taken away. Or look at the majestic Rocky Mountains as you come around the corner in Estes Park and, and just... Or see the loveliness of God in a newborn baby. We just had our fifth grandchild, our granddaughter... There's nothing like it. You can totally corrupt them and send them home. (laughs) Get even time. (laughs) Amen. You know know what I'm talking about, brother. (laughs) Oh, that flight home can never be sweeter, right? (laughs) There's still a lot of good to be had, a lot of good to be done, a lot of fun, a lot of joy and a lot of happiness. We know what's coming. And God prepares us for that. We all would like to be healed of of infirmities. I know people who desperately want to be healed from the illnesses that are killing them. And some will and some won't. But it doesn't matter. What matters is, are you willing to let God use your life? And through every stage of your life, whether in joy or whether in misery, give the sound of good news to the people around you who need to walk, but who are lame. And they look to you for courage, for faith, for light. That's the sound of good news. To some it may be, Jesus is coming again. To others it may just be putting an arm around them and and crying with them. You don't know. But if we spend that time with God each day, getting to know him, letting him in, speaking to our hearts and putting his mercy and grace there, then we will learn how to give the sound of good news in season and out of season. Father, I thank you that you love us so much, even when we don't deserve it. Not only that, you invite us to be lifted up with you, to sit on your throne, to be like you. And you enable us to be like you. Father, I ask that you pour out your spirit on on us here today, on this congregation throughout each day of the week, that you would live through them and be the sound of good news in their community. In Jesus' name, amen.